0: scripture reading this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Colossians as we finish out this sermon series called In the Beginning where we've put our hearts and minds in the place of thinking about God's creation in the world that we live in. We find Paul speaking of the image of Christ and he describes it in this way. He is the image of the invisible God the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers, all things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, he's now reconciled in his fleshly body through death. So as to present you holy and blameless blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I Paul became a servant of this gospel the word of the lord join me in a prayer how breathtaking you are o oh god in the way that you create in the fact that you create and the joy that it gives us in being part of it we ask that you bless this time with your word, your shaping, molding, guiding, teaching word that continues to create us and shape us. In Christ we pray. Amen. So for the last two weeks, we have been daringly bold enough to try and let go of some of the assumptions we bring to how we think about God's creation and the world we live in. We had a number of them that we've been trying to shed ourselves of and hasn't always been easy. One assumption we've tried to let go of is the assumption that a long time ago, somewhere in the distant past, that God created and that was it, as if to say that God stopped creating altogether after the sixth day. We've let go of that assumption We've tried to let go of the assumption that when we're talking about the creation story or thinking about creation itself, that we're just talking about nature. And we've reminded ourselves that certainly nature is part of it, but that what we do and what we make that often gets sidelined as not part of God's good creation, in fact, is so that thinking that Creation is just about nature. We've had to let that assumption go. We've tried to let go of the assumption that we often have that the world is in some ongoing state of progression and improvement, as if to say that over time with enough hard work and education, we'll improve ourselves right into a blissful state of perfection, which in and of itself assumes, therefore, that we have no need of a God at all. So we've had to let that assumption go. Finally, we've tried to let go of our assumption that we often have of, or are told or see or is out there that we actually don't belong in this world. We weren't meant for this world. We were meant for another world somewhere else that we often call heaven in some blissful place, as if we're just passing through here at some kind of rest stop in a wasteland that we really don't need to care about at all. So what we do here doesn't matter, really, right? Because we're bound for somewhere else, as if to say that the created world that God made is somehow not measuring up. So we've had to let that one go too. It hasn't been easy because these assumptions have been around for a very long time. We haven't just been trying to let go of things. We've also been trying to build something. We've been trying to grow in our, and build our understanding of who God is and what God is up to in the world and in and through creation. We've tried to to begin to build on that. And we've also tried to slowly build a reason for why we should care about the world. Why we should care and why we should try and learn about how what we do affects the world around us, even at the risk of being wrong about that. Quite often, a reason for why we should care. And that's what we're focusing on in this last day of the series our role. We actually have a part to play in all of this. So, to get at that, we need to add another piece to this descriptive that we've given God, uh, given the biblical understanding of who God is and what God is up to. We want to add. One more piece to that. We've already said one of my favorite lines about God, and and that is what we've said is, God is eternally committed to the monotony of creating. And I just love that line. God is eternally committed to the monotony of creating. And that God, in fact, takes delight in the things that God makes takes delight in the things that God makes. What I want to add to it is the understanding that God is not just committed to creating. God is also committed to reclaiming creation. Those things that have fallen away God is utterly determined to reclaim Richard Middleton in a book titled a new heaven and a new Earth talks about this and suggests a strong biblical image for a new creation a new creation that will embrace every part of the world that God has made, a new creation that will embrace every part of the world that God has made. And he uses a lot of Paul's letters and language to kind of look at this understanding of a new creation. And he, one of the texts is the one we just read this morning from Colossians, where Paul speaks of a Christ in which God was pleased to dwell to reconcile all things to himself through Christ. In our reading today, all things, whether in heaven or on the earth. In Ephesians 3, Paul talks about God's plan of salvation as set forth in Christ. Unto him all things are gathered into him. So set forth in Christ and in the fullness of time, gathering all things unto himself, things on earth or things in heaven. And Paul's clear to include both heaven and earth in these statements about God's restoring. In Romans chapter 8, the one we read just last week, if you happen to be here, Paul talks about creation itself being set free from bondage and given freedom. Glory in, as children of God, creation itself, all of creation set free and given freedom. And Paul's not the only one who speaks of this idea of a full restoration of both heaven and earth. We often get the heaven part, but we leave the earth part off. Paul does not. He includes both. Both. But if you look at the whole run of Scripture from start to finish through this lens of a full restoration, you begin to see that the overarching narrative of the whole thing is about God restoring that which God has already created. It's all about that. All the way back from even Exodus when the people were in bondage, God leads them out restores them and makes them a nation. And then later in that story, as as the empires move in and push them out of their own homeland and into exile, what did the prophets say again and again? They talk about God ultimately restoring God's people and all things, in fact, to a relationship with God. In Jesus' own ministry... The ministry of Jesus Christ was all about restoring people to a relationship with God again and again and again and again. In John chapter 14, he talks about that famous line, I go to prepare a place for you, which we often think of as somewhere else. And yet, what does he say next? He doesn't say, and then I will bring you along. He says, and I will come again to gather you unto myself. Peter takes that same idea in Acts chapter 3 in this long speech he gives where he talks about a Christ, a a Jesus who must remain in heaven until God's full and complete restoration comes as promised from long ago. And then he draws on that same thinking in 2 Peter chapter 3 where he speaks about us who, he says, we wait for a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness is at home, Peter says. Tim Keller, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, points at Revelation 21 and says what we see in that chapter of Revelation is not God taking people out of this world and placing them in heaven, but instead we see the picture of a heaven that comes down to this world to cleanse and restore and perfect this world. Again and again throughout the entirety of the whole of the Bible, what we see is a God who continues to deeply desire to restore the things that need restoring. God seems, seems selfish in that way, not willing to let it go, always searching, always reconciling, always forgiving, going so far even as the cross to reclaim that which was already God's in the first place. what we get is this biblical image of heaven that's not a destination, but is instead an unfolding reality. The biblical image of heaven, in fact, is a world that is fully restored by God's favor and grace. God seems bent on it. And that's why we care. We care about the earth because God cares about the earth. We care about creation because God cares about creation. We recently become an earth care congregation. Why? Because God cares that means that when we look out at the world, we see a place that is filled with the very essence and presence of God, a place that is, is ripe with the promise of God's ongoing restoration, a place that, where we don't just sit on the sidelines because, because we feel called to get off the bench and get in the game because we see ourselves not as residents or tenants or onlookers or just observers of some world in which we don't belong but in fact are instead participants in that very same world in which we do belong because God cares about the world God has made and is in fact restoring that world even as we speak. put it in Paul's words as he said this, he said I have become a servant of this gospel that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, not just some everything to put it in terms of Genesis 1 and 2 our purpose here, we are here to work the garden to be part of the things God is doing to in fact be servants of the good news of the gospel that is given to all creation. That's what a Christian does. To use the words of my old friend Michael Jenkins in his book, Invitation to to Theology, he said, Christians believe that God created the whole world and meant it, all of it, to be loved. So instead of walking around this world holding our noses as if to say that God's creation somehow smells bad and we shouldn't get too close to it, we are instead called upon to love this world into the kingdom of God, to be part of, of God's restorative work as a new heaven and a new earth are made and heaven comes down to cleanse and restore and perfect. We care about the world because God cares. Even as we wait for the new creation. Amen.